The Heat were in Phoenix on Saturday night, taking on a team with the best record in the NBA and without Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, Miami completely dominated the Suns anyway. A 123-100 blowout win led by Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson will break down the game and if Miami has proven that they are in fact an elite title contender. All that and weekly predictions coming up next. You are locked on heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Monday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. We're kicking off a big week here at Locked On Heat. We'll have interviews with two Heat players, Kyle Guy and Mario Chalmers, Heat legend. Mario <laughs> Chalmers will join the show in the next few days, so make sure to subscribe to the show and get the great content as soon as it's available and published. But it's a great week, so let's kick it off with a great win by over the Phoenix Suns. The, the Heat were without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and taking on the team that went to the finals last year and had the best record in the league. Miami went with the same starting lineup as they did against Portland last week with Max Struess getting the nod over the Duncan over Duncan Robinson, something we'll talk about a little bit later in the next segment. So it was Struess, Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, Omer Yurtseven still starting in place of Dwayne Dedman, and P.J. Tucker back in the starting lineup, of course. It took Miami a little time to get into rhythm, but once they did, they were unstoppable. The second quarter was particularly defining, from, in my opinion. They shot 52% from the field, 7 to 15 from three-point range. They had 38 points to outscore the Suns by 17, and they carried a 21-point lead into halftime. Halftime was a little bit tricky. If you're going to look at this Heat team as they have in the past, you say to yourself, you know, this is a 21-point lead, a great opportunity for the Suns, a very good team, a proven veteran team to mount their comeback, and it looked like they were starting to build a little momentum early in the third quarter, but Miami applied the brakes defensively. They continued to shoot well from the field continuously outdistancing themselves. They actually had a 26-point lead at one point in the third quarter, so they actually proved to wind up being a little bit better and, again, wound up blowing out the Suns at, uh, at Phoenix. So a road game without your two best players, and Miami continues to get incredible performances from key players all around. Season highs and performances for Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Again, he, Hero started off a little bit slowly and then continued to carry Miami all the way through, hitting big shots as he is wont to do. A huge game, perhaps, as we've said so many times before, the best game of the season, Wes. Uh, undoubtedly, right? Uh, but a few corrections right off the bat that we're going to start with. Uh, Mario Chalmers, Kyle Guy, called them current Heat players. They're former Heat players now. Their 10-day contracts expired. Part of the interview ah. is asking them exactly what happens next. So definitely stay tuned uh, to the podcast feeds and get that. And then the, the last correction here is one from me. I actually think I was too hard on Tyler Hero. After the last few games, I said, you know, pr prior to the Phoenix game, hey, man, if you want to be in that Luca Trey Young conversation, you can't be playing like this when the Heat need you. And I actually think I laid it on a little too thick. I'm, I, I really I, – I, I think it was too hard. Every superstar in the league, we're seeing Steph Curry go through it right now. They're just going through slumps. And we're recording this before Klay Thompson returns later tonight. But, um, you know, everybody goes through slumps. Tyler Hero responded to this one with this – uh, season high outing against the best team arguably in the league the best the team with the best record in the league no doubt oh, yeah. about it and I thought he paced the heat in a way that uh, not only was just it wasn't just points off the bench right like that 
there's there's difference between points and there's a difference between sort of pacing your team. And I thought Tyler Hero really did that. And yeah, the points are awesome. And my favorite thing about Tyler Hero in this game was the shot selection, right? And mm-hmm. Heat coaches took him aside after the Golden State game, the one in San Francisco, where you and I talked about the on the recap. What is he doing? He doesn't really look. He looked out of sorts. We didn't yep. really know where he wanted to get on to his spots. What do we? What was he trying to do against Phoenix? He had like a mission. Like he knew exactly what it was that he wanted to be doing on the floor early in the game. Some of those outside jumpers that he likes, those step backs, the side step jumpers, all the the little uh, the 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 mid range uh, fadeaways, all that stuff. They weren't going in. No, uh, I think he missed like four of his first five shots. Yeah, or one of five, yeah. And yeah, and so after that, what does he do? He starts getting to the basket layups dunks getting steals getting in transition creating easier points for himself and you look at his final uh shot plot and he only really made like two or three shots from outside the paint everything was in the paint on a 30 plus point night for him i love that game i love the shot selection i love how he adjusted midstream against one of the best defenses in the nba i know they were down a couple guys but that was a really that's still a really complete good phoenix suns team with all their with their three best players out there um and, and probably probably the five five best players out there. I I I love that game from Tyler Hero. That was the one that we've been waiting to see from him. To me, it was no doubt his best game of the season, and it's one of the ones that he probably leads the highlight reel. And we're talking about six man of the year candidacy, but we could just forget that. Put a pin in the six man of the year. I mean, this guy is legit. It's what we've been saying this entire time. You love to see him break out of the slump in this way. We should mention that he did avoid suspension. He was likely to not yes. even play this game because mm-hmm. after his altercation with Yusuf Nurkic against the Portland Trailblazers, we thought, we both theorized that he would be likely suspended. Neither Nurkic or Hero were suspended. And so Hero into the starting lineup, getting a free pass from the league, and he winds up responding with his best game of the season, a season high in 33 points. I mean, just a phenomenal night for him, 12 of 20 overall from the field. Six free throw attempts, he converts all six of them. Just a phenomenal game, but he also sprinkled that in with five rebounds. We know what a great rebounder he is three assists he was making plays for others and i'm glad you brought up the dunk because that was look i i don't get generally as excited as i once did of watching basketball because you know it's a profession now but watching hero break away for a dunk uh, that fast break opportunity incredible he just rises up i didn't i mean we've seen him do that on occasion but he does it so infrequently Mm -hmm. to see that flight from him just a phenomenal game for him but i I think the bigger conversation we're starting to have tyler before we move on just two more notes the, yeah. the dunk, absolutely, you love the strength with, with which he finished. There was another layup that he had in transition where he just puts – I can't remember which Phoenix Suns defender it was. Puts his shoulder into him and just creates a couple more inches for himself closer to the basket and kind of puts up this right-handed floater kind of off yeah. the glass. And I'm like, that that was more exciting to me than the dunk. You know, obviously yeah. the dunk is louder and is a highlight, but I was like, oh, my gosh. A guy at Tyler Hero's size doing that kind of play – you don't really yeah. see that anymore in today's NBA, and he is got alligator we've heard, arms. We've, we've heard about the strength that he added, all the muscle, all the you know, fifteen doing pounds. That so you can take the fifteen pounds, everything like that. That's why you do it. Tyler Hero before the fifteen pounds doesn't do that. That was huge. Uh, and then one other point: that pass to Duncan Robinson at the end of the third quarter was it for Duncan Robinson? LeBron esque. LeBron esque. Well said. Yes, I was trying to figure. I watched that more than any other Tyler Hero play. His ability, he takes that step into the jab, step into the middle, gets the defense moving, comes back out, swings that pass over to Duncan Robinson in the opposite corner. That's a really high-level pass, not just yeah. the pass itself that he executed, but to get to that step, to bend the defense, to get create that passing window that he got, and to give Duncan Robinson an extra foot or whatever it is that he ended up giving him and just draining that shot at the end of a shot clock. 
at the end of, I should say, at the end of the quarter there at the buzzer right. to do all of that in that amount of time. We're talking about another that that when you when you want to know the difference between old Tyler Hero and Tyler Hero this season, that's it. Those two plays, that layup, and then that pass. That's the difference of Tyler Hero this year versus last year. That pass and then the resulting shot and the fact that Robinson was able to convert it at the end of the third quarter might have been the nail in the coffin. Like that fourth quarter, you saw the Suns try to mount somewhat of a comeback, but by that Got back to within really thirteen good. or something. But yeah, yeah. Was, they were going really to good. their feet. They're, they're a really good team. They were always going to come they back are. a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm glad they never I mean, got we, it back down to single digits. That's right. That's right. And this is. I think this is kind of the hallmark of this team, and I've been saying it all year. This is a team that understands the mission. They understand what's at stake here. They don't give up leads as easily. Look, I know that they've done it on occasion. It's the NBA three-point shot, as Eric Spolster always says. You can always have a chance to even things up pretty easily. But give, overall, I think this team understands what's at stake much more easily, much more completely than they have in years past. This isn't a team that loses to bad games as often. I just I like the way that they understood what was at stake here and they were able to execute. They understood that Phoenix was going to mount a comeback. They did it. They stopped it short at every opportunity. That third quarter was such a defining pivotal moment. And to end on such a great note there, it was a fantastic win. But overall, though, if we're ready to move on, I think this win really cements Miami's standing amongst the upper the upper echelon of the NBA elite because they are now eight and two against the best teams in the East and Western Conference. They've beaten Chicago twice. They've beaten the Bucks. They've beaten the Nets. They haven't beaten the Warriors, but they've beaten the Suns. Uh, you know, and there's a lo- another game looming large against the Warriors at home, and who knows, maybe Miami will be able to open it up there. But considering where Miami's in, we've had this conversation before, and the fact that they're without their two best players, which is why this is the best team in – I'm sorry, the best win in season history here, I, I think – I think Miami is an elite contender. I think it's a legitimate-looking team. I know we made this differentiation recently, but without you know Jimmy, without Bam, the fact that they were able to beat this team as completely and as evenly as they did, I, I think Miami is an elite-level contender. I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on any major trades. I think that they like their depth, the fact that they're 10 deep at this point, and I think that they have enough to knock over anybody on any given night. And I, I just think that it continues to be reinforced when they have wins like this. Am I crazy here in thinking this? Uh, I don't think you're crazy. I I I don't think that's fair. But I, I still just don't have them at the level of Golden State, Phoenix, Brooklyn, or Milwaukee. I just think that they're that's a different tier. Uh, but that's not to say that Miami isn't a real contender. I think that they are. I think they're a tier with Utah and Chicago. And I'm sorry if I'm forgetting other teams, but in that tier, I think the, this is a team that can give itself a chance. I, I just wouldn't put them in that elite tier, the, the, to use the word you used. Uh, but like I said, this is the to me, it reminds me of like those 2013, 2014 Spurs, even though you can argue those Spurs teams were regular season elite teams as well. I just want to see what it looks like when Jimmy and Bam come back. I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. Is the depth a strength? Absolutely. Can it remain a strength when Jimmy and Bam come back? I think intuitively you would say, of course, you yeah. know, you would have better to your two best players back on the floor and your depth should just be more valuable at that point. It should be actually depth, you know, at that point. Uh, but I don't know. I just I have to see it first. I have to see it first. But I, I think well, this team is better a, than I thought it was going to be coming into yes. this season. We, we did get an update on Jimmy Butler. He was upgraded to questionable before the game, but he was still ruled out against the Suns. So there's a likely possibility that he'll return on Wednesday when the Heat wrap up this brutal seven-game road trip against the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. But we'll talk about some potential matchups later on in the show when we do our weekly predictions, as well as the question mark that I think is looming large here. Whether or not Duncan Robinson continues to come off the bench, it's a great question and one that Miami Heat fans will love to have. But you know what else we'd love to have? A 
steady supply of built bars because if you've got you know it's a new year if you've got new year resolutions and yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure to include built bar in your plan built bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar maybe even better because it's soft easy to chew 100 covered in chocolate it's great you won't miss out on any of the taste and you get all the nutrients that you might be looking for to help supplement your diet so many different flavors to choose from. You can get a mixed box with all of your favorites. Uh, you can put all of the built bars. You can take them with you to work if you want to just power through a, a lunch, if you want to have a workout in the middle of the day, uh, if you want to go for a walk in between lunch breaks. I know a lot of people do that. You can take a built bar with you. It's a great option to just continue to get the, the energy and nutrients that you need without sacrificing any of the taste. Again, so many great flavors to choose from. And best of all, if you go to built.com right now and use the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your order. So use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only at built.com. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. This is a great opportunity to continue to get all the great content you've been expecting, especially interviews with former heat players kyle guy and mario <laughs> chalmers but mario chalmers i mean he's just a permanent heat player in my standing I oh yeah he's, he's a heat he's always, yeah he's always got a place in our hearts but you know I, I was watching that game and we get the starting lineups announced right before it's late on a saturday night uh and you know a lot of a lot of anticipation for heat fans despite the fact that it was a weekend etc but it was a big game obviously yeah. and you expect to see duncan robinson back in the starting lineup after missing a significant amount of time due to health and safety protocols instead max truce continues to get the starting nod there and immediately people start theorizing why duncan's not getting the starting nod but he looked healthy so he wasn't like it was any kind of sort of recovery time or easing in process or anything like that but you start to wonder, is this something that's going to be happening much more regularly? Has Duncan lost his place in the starting lineup moving forward? I don't know, because you understood why uh, in the previous game when he came back that he wasn't coming off, uh, why he wasn't yeah. starting, because he had just landed uh, that day. He was under a minutes restriction. Spolster wanted to keep him to 15 minutes. He ends up playing 17 minutes, so right there. Um, and then, you know, my initial thought when the starting lineup came out and Struess was still there, I was like, okay, like maybe just Duncan, everybody has different effects coming off of COVID, right? And maybe yeah. Duncan Robinson was really like, we kind of just say, oh, the guys in protocols and stuff. And a lot of these players are saying, you know, I, you know, I had a little cough or whatever it was for a couple of days. Right. And then I was it. Maybe Duncan Robinson had a little bit of a more serious bout with it. We don't really know, um, you know, despite what anything he says, but, you know, he played 29 minutes against Phoenix. More than Struess. It's more than Struess. It wasn't. 30 plus, but it was, it wasn't crazy. So I don't think it was a minutes restriction thing, but maybe it was also a situation where, Hey, he obviously was playing really well. So any effects you were worried about probably weren't there. He went eight for 16 from three point range, 27 points. I mean, he was again, so probably he's fine. Uh, and so yeah. you just play him and maybe that's something you discover during the game. So I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. David, I guess is that Maybe Spolster was just being safe with Duncan Robinson, figuring, hey, we got a capable shooter in Max Struess to complete our starting five here. Let's continue to be safe with Duncan Robinson and just monitor what he's doing. Turns out he's awesome. Let's just keep – let's ride him down the stretch. And like you said, he ends up playing more minutes than Struess in that game. So, um, But it, it's worth at least having the conversation because I do think that putting Struess in that spot – I don't think it was just being playing it safe with Duncan Robinson. I actually do think that Eric Spolster and, and the coaching staff wanted to get a look at it. I think they did. 
I'm curious though, because we've had this conversation before and we're on the opposite end of the spectrum than I think a lot of Heat fans in that yeah. we don't see anything other than shooting that Max Struess does particularly well. And yet there's this interpretation from a lot of fans that he's more athletic, that he's a much better dunker, that he's a, a much better defender, which is completely and objectively not true. And I just don't know what he does better and why he would get the nod over. And if, if the only thing I can come back to is that Struess has been on an incredible hot streak, Robinson on the other end of that spectrum. So if you're going with a hot hand and you say, you know what, Struess and Robinson are almost interchangeable, why not go with a guy who's been shooting well of late and bring Duncan in, kind of see where he's getting, where he's going. To your point, I think you kind of get a feel whether or not he's he's got his touch going as a, you know coming off the bench, and then maybe you let him play a little bit more often. But at this point, I can't think of anything else. In fact, right. I think you have some numbers to back up the fact that both Struess and <laughs> Robinson are pretty identical players, really. Yeah, there's this idea that Struess has been like is completely outplaying Duncan Robinson stuff, but yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers. This is just the last ten games, and really, you see start you start seeing Max Struess yeah. uh, uh, hit this hot streak, and also Duncan Robinson. And this is including the eight for sixteen uh, night on Saturday night. But Duncan Robinson's been playing well um, offensively. Stru- so here's the Miami Heat stats with Max Struess on the floor, no Duncan Robinson. Okay, so yeah. Struess in place of Robinson. The Heat are shooting 42.9% from three-point range. Remember that number, 42.9% from three-point right. range on 15.23 uh, three-point attempts per game. The Heat overall are, are outscoring opponents by 6.7 points in those minutes that Struess is in the game, no Duncan Robinson. Uh, also over those last 10 games, Duncan Robinson on the floor, no Max Struess, Okay. The Heat are shooting 42.9% on three, the exact same percentage. <laughs> The exact same percentage, not 43%, not 42.8, 42.9% on 13 three-point attempts per game. The Heat are outscoring opponents by 5.9 points um, in those minutes. Though Duncan Robinson playing, those minutes where Duncan Robinson's on the floor without Max Struess versus, and vice versa, slightly less with Duncan Robinson, slightly more with Max Struess and no Duncan Robinson. So when you're talking about the 15.23, the, the, the three-point attempts are basically equal. The plus minus is basically equal when you consider this, the size of the sample. What I'm saying, David, is they're completely interchangeable when you look at how they impact the Miami Heat on the court. The only reason I can think of why Spo, for, because of that, the only reason I can think of why Spo would maybe want to get a look at Struess is simply because we know there's a higher level for Duncan Robinson to get to. We've seen it. We saw it against Phoenix. That's the level that we're accustomed to seeing Duncan Robinson play at. We don't know if there's a higher level to see if there is for Max Struess. One way to find out is to put him in the starting lineup, right? Let's see how good this guy really is. And he is playing with a kind of confidence that Duncan Robinson isn't. And I think that much is fair to say. And maybe, you know, hey, Struess, he's playing with a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence. He can handle in a promotion to the starting lineup. I don't think he's going to be afraid of something like that. And for Duncan Robinson, you've been trying to figure out a way to uh, create that confidence again. And I don't even know with good good three-point shooting games, if that confidence is 100% 100 back to what it was, prior to him signing the the three-year contract that he signed this summer. And maybe one way is, uh, you know what? Just take all the pressure off completely. Come off the bench, man. You and Tyler Hero, just run just run other bench units off the floor. Uh, and maybe that's something that contributed to him and, and the night he had against Phoenix was, was coming off the bench. Maybe. I don't, it's, hard, it's impossible to know. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's more of an emotional experiment on Spoh's part. That's, that's fair. And I, and I think he got it. I, I think we saw from the post-game press reaction 
that Duncan not entirely, you know, like what he said publicly, what he said openly, pretty clearly still supports the decision, right? He's not going to challenge. He's not going to make any waves or anything like that. He understands my role is the same and it feels the same when I'm out there, et cetera. But to me, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think that's the case. I, I think he was a little miffed about the decision. I think he was a little chippy about it. And I think it kind of lit a fire there. Look, within seconds, he comes into the game. He takes a charge. He looks a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more moving intentionally, to use a, a phrase that Eric Spolstra likes to use a lot. And I think it lit a fire under Duncan's ass in a way that we haven't seen all season. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the start of a really hot streak for Duncan over the next five to ten games, because I think this really has kind of cemented his idea that, you know what, I have to remind myself, or I needed this reminder, how painful as it might be, that I am an NBA player, that I am worthy of the big contract, etc., and that I'm also worthy of the starting job. To hell with Max Strews. He's a fine player. He's a nice guy, whatever, but let him come off the bench. This is my spot. This is my money. Yeah. I'm going to continue to go earn it. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see the very best of Duncan this season moving forward. Uh, I'm with you. I think the exact phrase you're using, lit a fire under Duncan Robinson. This is a guy who's accustomed to playing the underdog. Yep. And after signing a three-year contract that's paying him $15 plus million a year, yeah, you're not really an underdog anymore. And I think <laughs> no, that buddy. might have... <laughs> it, it it changed Duncan Robinson. I, I don't know. It, it changed him. In some way, it, it fundamentally changed him. Uh, right. And I think maybe that contributed to something that we've seen this season. Putting him on the bench for a guy in Max Drews who you didn't even think was going to be in part of the rotation coming right. into this season. And now he's got your starting job. I think yeah. the fact that Duncan Robinson was I, – I, I read it the same way you read it, David. I thought he was a little like, you know what, I'll play my role. I'll play my role. But he didn't seem super happy about doing that. He wasn't stoked about going to the bench. And I right. think that's exactly what Eric Spolster was hoping for. I don't think Eric Spolster sees those comments. He's like, oh, man, but I heard Duncan Robinson's feelings. I think Eric Spolster right. saying, like, damn straight, I heard Good. Duncan Robinson's yeah. feelings. Good. And uh, I think that's exactly what the intent was. And obviously, yeah. and I, impossible to know whether or not Duncan Robinson had that 8-for-16 night in the pocket, regardless if he was the, on, coming off the bench or starting that night. It's impossible to know. But all we have is the results that we have, David. And it worked. It worked. And the lineup does work with Max Drews in it. it. You don't really see a drop off as far as the three point shooting or anything else. Defensively, Duncan Robinson, I think, is still slightly better than Max Drews, especially when we're I talking agree. about you're getting switched and maybe you end up in the post. We've actually seen Duncan Robinson make quite a few good post defensive plays uh, this season, swiping or blocking and things like that. That's not something Strews is really doing. Um, but I don't think the drop off is such that you really need to worry about. It. I don't think either of them are as a plus defender. It's so just, all right. We got a minus defender in the starting lineup, regardless if it's Duncan Robinson or Max Struess. So, uh, and and I guess we just figure it out. Um, yeah, I just I, I think this is a I think this is something worth monitoring. Yeah, I think it's something yeah. worth monitoring. I don't know. I think you're right. I think it results in Duncan Robinson maybe taking a little bit of a leap here. Um, whether it is continues to come off the bench or part of the starting lineup is is something we'll have to watch and see. Yeah, fuck your imposter syndrome. Uh, anyway, let's move on. We're going to get some predictions from Nostradamus in the next segment. But first, just a reminder that Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march of the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and the new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, Hockey to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. 
All right, it is time to look into the future and make some predictions for the Miami Heat this week. It is time for Nostradamus. Uh, we took last week off because it was just a weird schedule with a bunch of games. We just never really got to it. So no review well, I, of last week's production predictions. I but have a theory. Know, yeah. <laughs> I th- yeah. Just I know think, I was you know, right about everything. <laughs> I have a theory. I think Nostradamus, you know, you needed a little time to recharge. You need a new year. Yeah. When you have to tap into the mysteries of the cosmos, even Nostradamus needs a little time off. And I think that's what it was. Yeah. Rest, uh, rest management, load management. Sure. There's a little load it. management. Yeah. For yeah. The maintenance no- program. The maintenance program. So um, let's start with Wednesday's game at Atlanta. Man, a, a three-day break for the Miami nice. Heat. Their longest break, I think, I believe, of the season. Um, and an earned one. An earned avoid, one. avoid COVID while you're there. Avoid Omicron, please. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're flying into Atlanta. There's, they're going to stay in Atlanta for a while. Uh, and this is their final game of the road trip. But it's Atlanta. You know, it's close enough. I think they're going to start feeling like they're a little bit closer to home because they obviously Absolutely. are much closer to home. And so... Um, we just got done talking about it, David. My prediction for Wednesday's game in Atlanta is that Max Struess will start in place of Duncan Robinson. I think that Spolstra, he's gotten a look at it for two games, sort of. One of those games, Duncan Robinson yeah. load management, uh, minute, a minute's restriction because of him coming off of protocols. That last game in Phoenix, as well as Duncan Robinson has played, I think all Heat fans, everybody, Duncan Robinson, they probably all expect for Duncan Robinson to start. I think Spo wants to get another look at it. With Strew starting, Duncan Robinson coming off the bench would not shock me if they just end the road trip this way with Max Strews starting in place of Duncan Robinson. I agree. I, I really do think that that's a likely scenario. I, I think you've got something rolling now. Whether Jimmy is back in the starting lineup or not, I think it works to have Strews out there uh, and to kind of again continue to light that fire there. I know a lot of Heat fans probably want to ask this question, Nostradam West here, but maybe you have an off- a prediction to offer. Is this kind of set the table for a trade down the road? Because I don't think it does, but I wonder if you think it might be an opportunity to see, you know what, we're just as good as you proved with the numbers in the previous segment. You're just as good with Max out there. Why not get something in return for a $15 million a year player in Duncan Robinson? Because of all the the, the numbers that I did not include in that little stat breakdown, because that wasn't really the point, was the numbers with Max Drews and Duncan Robinson on the floor are even better than all of that. If you want to be a three-point shooting uh, team in today's NBA – you need to have more than just one three-point shooter. And you look at yeah, Struess right. and Duncan Robinson. And here's the other thing about Duncan Robinson versus Struess. And I don't, I don't want to do the whole thing again. But Duncan Robinson is a proven three-point shooter. Max yeah. Struess was not considered a three-point shooter. He was a career 36% three-point shooter coming into the season. That's not – in college, he, he was not baby. a three-point specialist. Like, it wasn't like – he – this wasn't really his game. And this right. – in summer league, we started to think of him in that way. And I think yeah. because he's white, people are like, oh, yeah, three-point shooter. No, that wasn't really his game. Uh, yeah. This is more. This is more of a, a, a of a new development for Struess. Not saying it's not right. I think the work that he's done with the coaching staff and with Rob Fodor and all these guys has been really good, and I think he, this is sustainable for him. But um, I think it's just better to have multiple three point shooters. And I think that he will give. The other thing about Duncan Robinson is I know people complain about the contract, but Heat fans complaining about the Duncan Robinson contract. I know you want every player to play to a certain level commensurate with the salary that they're making. Whatever, man. That's your you problem. It seems like an insecurity that comes from your whole deal in life. You deal with yeah. that. What I will say, don't complain about Duncan Robinson's salary. He, that is the only tradable contract on the Miami Heat right now. You want to trade Max Drews or Caleb Martin? Have fun. F- 
figure out what player do you want making $2 million right now that's better than Struzer Right? Like, it just doesn't work that way. You need to be able to match salary and trades in the NBA. And you've got basically Duncan Robinson and PJ Tucker's seven, eight million dollar contract. Like that's not really yeah. movable. Duncan Robinson right. making between fifteen and seventeen million dollars over the next three years. That's movable. That can be the build the the piece you need to go and you know add other things to it and get an uh, an upgrade on this roster wherever it might be. Not saying the right. Heat signed him for that reason, but you yeah. know they thought about it because they're a good front office and they think about things and they say, hey, we need a middle class kind of salary here and that in the in reference in regards to the NBA is a yeah. middle-class kind of salary. So stop complaining Absolutely. about that. If you ever want the Heat to make a trade in the next three years, you better be loving that Duncan Robinson salary, not making fun of it. Let's move on. Okay. Friday versus Atlanta, the second part of the doubleheader there. Um, back at home at FTX Arena, finally. Um, <laughs> I think Jimmy Butler... Well, It sounds like Jimmy Butler is on track to play. You mentioned that he was listed as questionable, uh, did not play against Phoenix, uh, but it, it's it's trending in that direction that he'll be back. Absolutely. He'll be back by Wednesday in Atlanta, and I think you and I expect him to be. Um, yep. and it sounds ba- based on Eric Spolster's comments. That's what it sounds like. So, uh, you know, last game of the road trip, first game back from this right ankle sprain. I think Jimmy Butler against Atlanta in Atlanta, it's a fine Jimmy Butler game, but I think he needs just to get his wind a little bit, kind of get back into conditioning Friday versus Atlanta at home. I think we see full blown top five player in the NBA type of Jimmy Butler that, and when I say that, that's the level he was playing at before all these injuries started piling up. Um, Atlanta does not turn the ball over a lot. They don't, they're not a great team, but one thing they do is they 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 don't create a lot of uh, fast break opportunities, scoring and transition opportunities for opponents. So I think it's going to be a half court game for the Heat for both teams for the Heat. Yeah. And who does who thrives for Miami in the half court? Jimmy Butler. Who has Absolutely. a bunch of small guards that Jimmy Butler is going to get switches on and feast on? The Atlanta Hawks. I could see this being a thirty plus point game for Jimmy Butler Friday uh, versus Atlanta at home. Nice. No, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I, I like that. I like that. We've seen this before. Like, Jimmy comes back from injury. He's energized. He's like, you know what? I miss being out here. I miss dominating. I miss taking over games. And Atlanta is a great opportunity for him to do so. So, especially buoyed by the energy of that FDX crowd that hasn't seen this team since December, mid-December. It feels like an eternity. It's uh, last year. I, I, we haven't seen yeah. him this year. Yeah, I know. it's It's been tough. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a huge game for him. So I like where you're going with that. And I'm looking forward to seeing that triple-double. Or perhaps, oh, I'm sorry. I I, I kind of added that in there. But you know what? Go <laughs> it's with your it. prediction. Jimmy Butler triple-double. Why not? Nostra David missed. Dave, we we tried to do this. We did this earlier in the year. I forgot what it was. Um, <laughs> all right. Final prediction Saturday against Philadelphia again at home. Um, Joel Embiid probably playing in that game. We really never know with Joel Embiid, but he's been healthy lately. Um, knock on wood for my fantasy team. But... I think we see a Joel Embiid triple-double here because unlikely that Bam Adebayo returns by then. Um, yeah. And it, it's not impossible for it to happen. The Heat, of you know, as the Heat do, they're very quiet about these injuries. But I just, I feel like, you know, you, you, Bam's going to take a little bit more time to get his conditioning and everything back. And I, I would be surprised if they were like, all right, welcome back, Bam Adebayo. Go defend Joel Embiid for 30 minutes. Like, good luck yeah. with that coming off this injury. Yeah. That seems just, you know, mean, even at the NBA level. Um, I think so. My prediction for this game is not that Joel Embiid has a triple double, even though I think he probably does. Uh, it's that Omer Yurtsevin's reign is over as of Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, it's been a good story, it's been awesome. Yeah. I think Omer Yurtsevin, you and I were talking before the starting recording here, and I legitimately don't know who's better, him or Dwayne Dedman. I really don't anymore. And I think a week ago we had this conversation. I was like, I still think Dwayne Dedman is better, and I still think Dwayne yeah. Dedman is the guy who gets the minutes in the playoffs just because of the experience. But in the regular season, I don't know who was better. Omer Yurtsevin's been really good for Miami, and I don't know that it's empty calories. I really don't, despite, you know, obviously getting much more minutes. I mean, 
he is doing things. Uh, he, he has progressed on both ends of the floor in a way that's meaningful, in a way that you can really measure, not just with statistics. And I know people love to talk about rebounds. You know my opinion on rebounds. I don't care. It's a loser stat. But yeah. I, I, everything else about his game, I, I love what you've seen from a developmental standpoint. But um, Joel meets on the other side. I don't know about it. That's all I'm saying. And and maybe when Dwayne Dedman comes back, because it looks like he's coming back too relatively right. soon. He's probably back by that Philadelphia game. Does he get the start in place of Omer Yurtsevin? Again, I don't know. There's a really good argument to be said that, hey, just keep starting Yurtsevin. He seems to be doing well with it. And Dwayne Dedman is used to playing your backup center minutes. So just keep mm-hmm. him in that spot. Um, yeah. I think that's probably what they end up doing, uh, regardless if whether or not Dwayne Dedman returns and starts or if Yurtsevin starts. It's still Joel Embiid on the other side. That's a tough matchup. You love everything you've seen from Yurtsevin. It's totally been Yurt's season, but Yurt's season might be over here. I, at least one of those players has to foul out, right? That's the reality yes. going up against Embiid, uh, if not both of them somehow. I saw you could see a lot of Tucker at center minutes as well. I could see the heat going small. Um, you know what? It's just an interesting an interesting development there to see Yurt 7 continue to grow. His numbers uh, against the, the Suns were not great from a scoring perspective. He just didn't have the touch shooting-wise. But he did have some nice passing numbers. Finished with eight assists, too, showing some some nice touch, uh, uh, you know, and being able to recognize cutters and working the dribble handoffs and things of that sort. So the nice this is such a good pass. Can I just zoom out one more time before we close up here? Um, yes. This is such a good passing team, and I think that's oh, something boy. that gets lost in this conversation of, oh my god, look at what the, the bench guys are doing. So much depth. Right. Look at the three point shooting. That three-point shooting is created by this team's passing. And you're right. Yeah. Yurtsevin, look, he's not Jokic out there. It's not like eight Jokic assists. It was eight, you know, some dribble handoffs and stuff like that. But he's also finding cutters, to your point. That yeah. pass that Kyle Lowry made to Tyler Hero on that give-and-go was just f- a phenomenal pass. And that's Kyle Lowry. Like That's why he is Kyle Lowry. Yeah. But this yeah. team, we talked about the Tyler Hero pass earlier. You're seeing really good moments from guys like Struess and Duncan Robinson in the passing game lately. Like This is a really, really high-level passing team. When you get Jimmy and Bam back, who are among the best passers at their positions in the league, um, and in Bam's case, probably second best passer in the league at his position, um, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. Uh, It's just something if you're a Heat fan, you're watching this team, just pay attention to the passing. Give it it a moment. Really appreciate it. That's why all this three-point shooting is happening. It's not just five shooters around the arc, pass the ball, swinging around. There's there's a lot of stuff happening. Off-ball movement, movement, cuts. Uh, driving and kicking, just give it a minute and appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, that does it perfectly. I think that does it for this show as well. Uh, great win over for over the Phoenix Suns for this Miami Heat team that continues to impress and improve. We'll see what happens when they start to incorporate Jimmy Butler and Bam and Bio eventually back into the lineup. Maybe they'll do so on Wednesday against the Atlanta Hawks, and we'll have that recap. But in the meantime, make sure to stay tuned for our interviews with Kyle Guy and Mario Chalmers. You won't want to miss those. But that'll do it for today. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure to subscribe if you want to hear from Mario Chalmers and Kyle Guy. Make sure to also check out Lockdown Bets. Make them your second listen of the day. Uh, they've got all your all your information needs regarding any kind of gambling situation or anything like that. But that'll do it for us today. I'm David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Bye, Bobby. <laughs>